Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits has two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection, carry our personal favorite Breckenridge brews, and offer delivery to your door. Download their app today for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. If you're really lazy, get the booze delivered. Have beer delivered to your door. Always have the best offers. Look up on the app for deals of the day. You can request products to be ordered into the store. They have free tastings on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 1 to 4 p.m. If a big game is coming up, like maybe the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, we got opening day before too long, lots of lots of liquor can be delivered to your house. You can go and pick them up. You want those big bulk orders for your party, Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits is where you need to go. So download their app today for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. And go. ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by The Green Solution. Remember to visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com. Use the promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. Joining me for this one is our main man, Patrick Lyons, and we are getting ready. It's, I guess, kind of sort of technically officially the first day of spring training there i feel like there are like four different first days of the baseball season anymore but this is one of them uh, <laughs> absolutely it's a magical one that people look forward to the the first day of pitchers and catchers and even if your team hasn't reported yet like the yankees that's okay you're still probably on social media enjoying the the sights and sounds of guys having a game of a good old game of catch already in various locations in arizona and florida it's a fantastic day there's baseball Gloves are popping, bats are cracking, grass is crunching, we're, we're ready to play ball a little bit, but uh, someone who's not ready to play ball, at least with the media and the only question anybody wants to ask right now, is Jeff Breidich. We do want to talk about you know some of the proposed rule changes and other things going on with the Rockies at spring training and get you set up you know, to be excited about the return of baseball, but we have to begin with it's not news, but given now finally a face to face opportunity, and you know, I considered flying down for this, and I'm glad I did not <laughs> 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 because the, the video has been shared by our colleagues, uh, Patrick Saunders and Thomas Harding, of course, who were there. And I believe it was Saunders rightfully, you know, asking the question. And Jeff Breidich simply said, I've said i've got no further comment about the nolan arenado thing and that's all i'm going to say about it next question yeah, there, um, there's not too much he can say i don't think um i i think damage control uh was essentially the the top goal here for bridich and the entire organization and as frustrating as his response may be that's probably the best response he should he should make because if you go one way or the other that everything's fine that could be taken the wrong way uh, by the fan base. Uh, if he goes into some details about what's not going great behind the scenes, well, then everyone's going to be that much more worried. He's going to show his hand. And if, if Arenado does get traded before this year's deadline on July 31st, then, you know, he's, uh, he's hurting the Rockies and what they get back in a deal like that. So it's frustrating, I think. Um, and that might be an understatement, but uh, in a way, I, I think that was probably the best thing, he could have done uh what's what's your take on on the no comment comment <laughs> well i'm i'm glad you 
took that element of it because I more or less agree with your take. But now we get to do a little bit of a fun role reversal where I finally get to be on the other side of this and say, I, while I, there's no right answer to this and he's not going to win over anybody who's angry at him right now, fans or, or Arenado with the right answer to this question on February 11th. But I do think that there was maybe a better non-answer answer, which was we like our team, we like our guys, we like our leader, and we expect to compete this year. Um, And that's still not answering the question. And I'm sure that there would still be plenty of fans who would not enjoy that answer either. Um, So, you know, maybe we're splitting hairs here. I I think I, I, I do think that he's got to know on some level that this that literally a no comment is going to piss people off, but he obviously doesn't care and maybe he shouldn't, but um, you know, there really isn't much left for the saga of Arenado and Breidich at this point, other than for them to get out there, start playing baseball games and see what happens. I think that's a fair point that you make that it could have been done in a different way, kind of, uh, if we think about what A.J. Hinch said on Friday night with Tom Verducci or various other players associated with the Astros sign-stealing scandal, they, they said a whole lot of nothing, right? They wanted to say yeah. no comment, but they said a, a whole lot of nothing, and um, some new pieces of information have recently come out about that. And, uh, and, and there could be some new pieces of information that come out about Breidich and Arenado and their um, after the season meeting that they had, um, some, some heated words, it was very, uh, contentious situation and, you know, maybe, maybe things are still a little contentious. Like, like you said, it, it could have been phrased in a different way. Uh, it was going to raise the ire of, of the fan base regardless. Um, but maybe it was a way of saying, look, we're, we're going to handle this in-house and, uh, for right now, it's it's us versus you. It's the Rockies against the media, and we're just going to say no comment. And if if we hear Arenado say uh, basically those same words, then that actually might bode well for Arenado and the Rockies and Jeff Breidich because maybe at that point that means they're on the same page rather than they're both no commenting each other because they're they're filled with vitriol and they really want to chew each other out, but they know that they shouldn't do it on this public stage. So really maybe when, when we get Arenado's comment, we'll have the, uh, the, another piece of the puzzle and, and, and maybe it'll begin to make a little more sense and we'll be able to uh, gestate that a little easier. The, the famed no comment comment. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll shoot my shot on the question you just raised right now. I'm going to guess that's exactly what he does. Yeah, I'm getting the feeling that uh, a memo has gone around. And for better or for worse, they're just putting this away for now. And I could see that going well. I could see it going very, very poorly if the season starts out poorly. But, um, you know, I'm, dude, I'm really glad you brought up actually the, the Astros situation because I, I feel very similarly about this and that. You know, you, you mentioned Hinch and like some of the stuff that Alex Bregman has said. Uh, and the lack of culpability and, and, you know, party said, is there anything that they're going to say that's going to make me feel better about what they've done? Almost certainly not. But then today, did you hear Marwin Gonzalez? Uh, finally, yeah. Finally, the first guy addressing and saying, Hey, you know, my bad. That was, it. that step. doesn't sound so hard, right? No, it doesn't. It, that meant a lot to me. Honestly, it like, and it, it's such a small thing. And so I think I, at times, and, and you and I have talked about this, and I think you, you've rightly pointed out to me that, you know, I maybe haven't been as uh, observing of, of this part of the fan base as well. I think the fan base, they, they just like to hear, and, and I say, and it's the same with the Astros thing. There's no pragmatic difference. There's no on-field difference. Jeff Breidich coming out and saying, you know, I've made some mistakes. I've done some things I regret. I really wish I would have done things differently, but we're here where we are now and we've got to move forward. That doesn't change the Rockies Pythagorean theorem of the number of wins or their potential war or any of that. And so I've often felt like, you know, why do fans need this? But when I heard Marwin Gonzalez said what he said today, 
it, it really sunk into me. And some of the things that you and I have talked about this week, like that's what Rockies fans who are most frustrated right now want to hear from this guy. Like I haven't done my best for this team, for this organization, for you fans, and I'm trying to get better. And when you hear someone say something like that, you, you almost go, wow, that wasn't really all that hard. Was it? That didn't cost you anything, did it? Yeah, it could be, it could be, uh, you know, a pride getting in the way of that, of course. And that that's what it is when we're talking about these great athletes and these great minds of the game and in all sports where, um, they, ex- they excel to the top of the sport and the top of their, their business. And they get to feel like they're a little bit untouchable and make poor choices here and there. But really to learn from those things um, is, is really being the bigger man. And, and again, we don't know that um, Breidich and Arenado haven't, you know, both figured it out in a sense. Uh, obviously, Rocky fans are hoping for that, but um, they can do that behind closed doors. They can make those changes behind closed doors. And, you know, to do something publicly is, is a little bit harder. Uh, obviously what we're talking about with the Astro sign stealing scandal and Jeff Breidich and, and Nolan Arenado, they, they are two totally different things. Right. You know, one, right. one, you know, is, is can impact the hall of fame. And we're talking about putting asterisks next to championships and things of that nature. And it's going to, that will be a part of Ken Burns next extra innings when he does, mm. you know, the 11th and, and right. 12th inning. But this is is barely going to get mentioned, you know, and and kind of the East Coast bias says that uh, we'll be lucky to even see a, a couple clips of Nolan Arenado in, uh, yeah. in in that version of of baseball's you know eleventh and twelfth inning. One of the few ways that actually works out in their favor. Maybe this is a chapter yeah. they'd uh, they're just as well not having told, but. Uh, and we, we're obviously going to get into this more and more, and I'm going to be heading down to spring training March 1st. But so I, I don't want to give away too much of, of our you know feelings on the team and, and whether or not they can get through this or not before we allow a couple of things to play out. But I do think, uh, you know, it, it's entirely possible that Breidich and Arenado got together, cracked open a, a Breck Brew Hot Peak. I assume they're IPA drink. I don't know. Brian, hey, look, as look, as somebody who identifies with this guy sometime and the people who hate the IPA drinkers because they think we're, well, like that, all the other stuff that goes with Breidich, I get you, man. Have a hot peek for of, of all the things that you could be criticized for. A little Breckenridge brew. Uh, they can crack one open. Like, you remember, what was that? Um, what was the beer summit? During the former presidency, when the, there was a sports issue, you remember that they got the ah, I can't remember what it was, but getting people together over a Breck Hot Peak IPA, having a little conversation, talk about some baseball. They can do it. You can do it. You can get ready for spring training. You're going to feel good. You're going to be excited having one. And you can get ready to have some down at Blake Street Tavern as well. That's the best place to have Breckenridge Brew to watch some sports, take in a little bit of pre or post game. Uh, once you know it's it's right around the corner at this point. We are less than a month away from the Rockies home opener, and so you know you've got to do your spring training too. You've got to get in practice for regular season, go into the bar, then walk over to Coors Field. There won't be a game, but you know take a couple of pictures. Drink your Breck brew inside, you know, where it's legal. And then, <laughs> and then, and then head back over uh, to Blake Street Tavern and ask everybody there, what in the world is going on with this postseason recommendation, proposal um, from, it's not just from Rob Manfred. I think that's one of the things that we've got to be careful about here is, and I do this as much as anybody with the commissioner who I will admit is starting to frustrate me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know if starting is, is even a word that belonged in that sentence, but I will say once I read through this proposal a little bit better, Patrick, the first time I read it, I, I misread the math. I thought they were basically getting rid of the NLDS. The proposal is not to do that, but rather to create a, kind of wild card tournament almost, but entirely in one team's ballpark. Um, 
and then maybe to allow the teams that have won divisions to pick their opponents. There's a lot of real weird stuff in here. Um, my big question is who is this for? Uh, but uh, to you, I'll put it. I mean, what was your reaction to this? First, I had to read it multiple times to understand. Yeah, I should have done that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I fired off a snarky tweet and then a couple of people were like, I'm not sure you quite understood. it." <laughs> I did not. I did not. <laughs> Yes, because seven's obviously a very odd number, and you, you yeah. just think, oh, okay, there's three divisions in each league. <laughs> Seven right, right, right. get in. There's mm-hmm. three, or there's be four wild cards, and it's just right. and a partridge in a pear tree. It's too much yeah, to, I, to figure out. Right, right. You know, it's it's uh, it's a lot to boil down, and and I think maybe some of this is there could be a better way that this is done. I, I don't have any personal suggestions at the moment, but I think the. I, if you looked at the American League late last year, the Yankees uh, had the, the the top seed. They were they were number one. Should have had home field advantage all throughout the playoffs uh, in the American League, and they basically the last few weeks they they gave that away. They gave that up to Houston because to them it was more important to get their guys healthy. So I think MLB wanted to address that and say no, we want teams to go out there, play their best, all 162 games. Um, you know, we, we see that in soccer with, with relegation, you know, uh, soccer is, is, is an amazing sport the way they do their standings, not here in American MLS, but in all other countries where all the games are important because if you finish in the last three or four, uh, of your division, you go down to the next lower league. So that would essentially be like, um, you know, the Padres and the Marlins would go down to the Pacific coast league. And maybe the isotopes would come up to play in the majors. So nothing like that will ever happen in baseball, no doubt about it. Um, All right, because the minor leagues are affiliated. Yeah, you'd have to totally restructure the whole thing. But sure, of course. But in the uh, you know the English Premier League and and, and all uh, else around the world, they have that where every single match is important. And I think baseball wants to have that where every single game is important. And if you increase the amount of playoff teams, then there are going to be more games that are more important. And yes, I think it waters down what it means to be a playoff team. Now you're having in the the current model that that we have seven of the 15 teams in each league end up making the playoffs. That's close to 50%. You know, that's what the NBA has. And that's, it's too long, right? NBA and NHL, they both go on for two months. And baseball is the month of October. We've seen it stretch into, you know, the first couple of days of November on the rare occasion here and there. But, um, and, I, and I think there could be a way in which they can get all of that done, where you've got those three game wild card series all played in one one location. They're they're ultimately trying to really prevent some of these wild card teams from making deep runs, and and I think they have the second wild card. Uh, in the research I've done, has really reduced the amount of. World Series champions. Yes, we had the Nationals do that this year, but if you take that out of the equation, we saw a real dip in numbers of wildcard teams making um, deep playoff runs into the World Series and then winning it all. So I think something like this with seven teams um, reduces those odds of those wildcard teams going deep. It favors the um, the first place team overall, and it really makes it interesting. The This was the most interesting part, was that after you've got um, this first round of games through the wild card round, MLB would have some kind of show, kind of like the NCAA when they, they do March Madness, and you find out who's in the bracket, who's in, who's out, where the the top two teams in each league get to select their opponent. So you could have the Yankees maybe picking Boston. Uh, and, and playing them in the first round, even with their, their heated rivalry, because maybe, you know, Boston is, uh, they're the worst team of the remaining ones in the American league, or maybe, uh, they're the second best team. They have the second best record in the American league, but they, uh, sustained an injury to one of their top players. So now the Yankees are thinking, you know what, I think this is the team that we go after. And it really, really makes it important to have a very strong analytical department to try to figure out who is the best matchup for our team. You can just pick the team with the worst record. Sure. 
um, or you can pick the team that maybe is is missing the most pieces from their regular season roster through injury and what have you. Um, I think back or, to 2007, the Phillies had won their division, had been sitting around for a couple of weeks, yeah. waiting to see who was going to win the wild card spot. The Colorado Rockies had to win 17 of their 18 <laughs> final regular season games and then beat the Padres in game 163. You would think in that instance, the Phillies might be like, let's not play the hottest. Obviously, there'd be more. The first round would look different, as you just described. But given a similar situation, if a team comes out of that and they've just had a super hot month, if you're the division winners. Now, here's the one thing I would say. I'm that delay. And I don't know how teams feel about this. The Washington nationals just gave us a pretty solid counter example of it. But if I'm a division winner, I'm not sure I want my season to end and me to have to wait, you know, an extra three, right. four, five days to see who's going to come out of a, a trio of wild card games. Now, if they're about to give us double header wild card rounds, I could get real excited about this idea in a heartbeat, but I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, so the timing thing becomes an issue again. Are you really at an advantage because you get to pick your team that you're going to play or, you know, you, are you division winners going to start to get rusty? Yeah, you, you know, it would be a lot of baseball at once, but right now when the season ends on Sunday, there are not, um, at, uh, division series games until Thursday, right? I think maybe even we have some on that start on Friday. So that being said, if you immediately played those three game series, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you started the NLDS on Thursday, well, now that, that top ranked team, they're, they're getting the normal rest that they would have got. But your example right. was, was a perfect one from 07, because I think um, the Phillies going into um, the playoffs there obviously did not want to deal uh, with the hot-handed Rockies, um, in fact, they uh, had a better record than the than the uh, Phillies at that point at ninety and seventy-three. They would have more likely picked the the Cubs at that point, um, who had a much worse record. They were going in the playoffs a little bit hobbled, and and you can see how that strategy plays out. And you can see how people, you know, it's it's nice to know who you're going to play, but man, that adds a lot of intrigue to say, man, at five o'clock today, they're making the announcement. You know, who are the Rockies going to play right. in the division series? Who are they going to select as the number one seed? Who are they going to go against? So, uh, so again, the, the traditionalist <laughs> in me, yeah, I mean, the traditional, yeah, right. Putting the Rockies there to decide. <laughs> um, there is like an old school baseball heart in me that's going really a reality television show and picking your first round opponent. And was there re was there a problem with the way we did this before? Um, but now I'm going to share a little bit about myself. One of the things that uh, being in a long-term relationship has allowed me to open up about is dance competition shows. And I actually have really come to like them. Uh, and they're not the main one. I can't remember what the other. A World of Dance is the one that J-Lo is in. And they do a thing in that where there's a round where it's like their first round, everyone just gets scored by the judges. And then the second round, whoever has the highest score gets the first opportunity to pick who they'll have a dance off against. And sometimes they go with the person who scored the lowest, or they'll go with maybe somebody else in their genre. They feel like they're much better than. And I have to admit, it creates an extraordinary amount of drama. And a lot of times what happens is the team that gets called out really rises to the occasion. And so I do wonder if a system like this would even create like a ton of rivalries and no one wants to have the finger pointed at them and say, we want to play them. Like that'll light a fire under your ass. It just will. I don't care how much you're getting paid or how professional or fired up you thought you were before. Someone says it, it's like walking somebody to get to you. Like you better take that personally. <laughs> Definitely. I, I think that that makes the series all the more exciting. Um, you're going to have guys uh, like Noah Syndergaard gets in the World Series and he says, hey, first pitch is going to be high and tight. And sure enough, it was. And, you know, that that became <laughs> uh, must-see TV. Absolutely, must-see <laughs> yeah. TV. And so you could have yeah. a lot of that. And you could have series going the distance, too. You know, more games um, going the right. five, going the seven and the seven. Again, 
puts puts more money in the owners' pockets, uh, makes makes everything all the more exciting. And I think you're kind of adding that uh, world of dance flair uh, to MLB mm-hmm. playoffs. Uh, and I think that's probably what Rob Manfred had in mind, um, both as the commissioner and as probably also a fan of World of Dance. <laughs> I think that's what <laughs> you and Rob Manfred have in common. I mean, you didn't know that, but you both love that show. It appears to be. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the very thing that, you know, people are frustrated. Like, I do fundamentally kind of hate the idea of a reality television show for this. At the same time, in your fantasy world that you proposed, good sir, if the Colorado Rockies won the division, LOL, but still, um, who would be uh, the representative? Who goes and is it a player? Is it a GM? Is it Ryan Spielborgs? Like who shows up? That's who they usually pick for stuff like this. But who's the guy that goes on camera and says, you know, we want whoever. That's a great question. There, there's two schools of thoughts, right? You can have somebody that represents your your franchise, your organization, similar to the NBA draft, and that person's just there as you know a, a figurehead, saying, "Hey, remember this guy." So you could have a Larry Walker going out there and and doing that, but it could uh, very much backfire because if Larry Walker goes out there and makes certain comments about a team, you know, lacking the chutzpah that this current Rockies team is displaying now that's really, really going to raise the ire of the other team. So you might have to go the other way and it's, you know, someone from the, some of the former players, <laughs> I just, yeah. before you get off of that idea for other teams, cause the Rockies, I think you went with the most wild card guy and like Walker behaves yeah. himself on television, but like <laughs> some of these guys for other teams, like, can you imagine like, <laughs> like I know the A's wouldn't have like Jose Canseco, like <laughs> pick but Ricky Henderson, maybe Ricky I'm Henderson? saying that's, uh, good tv damn it like hey Rick, ricky's hitting the leadoff home run against he's like ricky you're not actually playing in the game ricky you're not you know or brian wilson for the for the giants yeah. he's gonna cut a wrestling promo there right there rip his shirt off start talking trash about the diamondbacks and you just you gave some rockies fans flashbacks to brian wilson doing that There's exact a, thing pretty much pretty much exactly that well if they're gonna go on tv and call people out. They're going to need to swing by Green Mountain Dental first, get their teeth taken care of so they look nice and clean. You don't want to have gross, nasty teeth being on TV. And the cool thing is they'll hook them up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. All they got to do is schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. And that doesn't just go for baseball players showing up on TV to call out other baseball players. It goes for you too, which is super cool. They're a longtime DNVR partner. They've shown us a ton of love over the years, so we'd really appreciate it if you guys show them some love. It's only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. They take care of you, and they'll talk sports with you. Patrick, I do not love going to the dentist, so anytime you can do something to make me more comfortable in that environment, let's talk sports, let's relax a little bit, make it more normal, I feel a lot better, and so... Also, the fact that they're throwing in a free Sonicare just for having a, a cleaning and exam is pretty dope. Yeah, that I actually went to the dentist this morning, believe it or not. Um, and that was one of the comments that uh, my dentist made was like, home care is great. And that's because uh, I use a Sonicare. So that's 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 worth the price of admission right there at uh, Green Mountain Dental. So we have got little bits of news. The, the first bits of Colorado Rockies 2020 news, really. Uh, nothing major. A, a couple of injuries to report. It looks like Tim Melville had a, a rib fracture break. I didn't see for sure, but a six to eight week uh, delay for Tim Melville. It looks like, and I learned this from your tweet, <laughs> but uh, Patrick Lyons tweeting out that uh, Brendan Rogers, it sounds like, little bit behind schedule but still looking around a a may uh, arrival in any capacity for rogers who you will assume will will have some rust to kick off as well and then very minor things brian shaw is going to miss a couple of days ben bowden with a family issue won't be there for a few days but that's not a a health thing to worry about on the field the the biggest one i i do think is melville who 
had a, a very outside chance, maybe with a great spring training to, to grab the fifth rotation spot. And the real bummer here is, you know, I think we both probably expected he was going to be um, a depth guy, probably holding down that triple a rotation, waiting for the call. Should the Rockies need a back and forth guy and maybe even someone who can handle many back and forths throughout the season. So if there's any six to eight week stretch, you don't want that guy to miss. It's the first six to eight weeks. He's, he's going to miss his spring training basically, which means he's not just going to come back, you know, a month and a half from now he's, he'll be ready to go, but he'll then need a full spring training before he's really ready to hit the field. Absolutely. Right. It it could be until maybe even the all-star break that, we see Melville come in for a spot start. And if everything goes right with the Rockies rotation, they won't need him in the first place. And, and that's ultimately, you know, what you hope, right. but uh, it's, it's obviously going to be a challenge uh, for him to, to battle back from this and um, to be behind six to eight weeks. Uh, if, if it even uh, goes that long or rather if it, if it goes to plan, but the fact that he's going to now need to do that and um, kind of get some of his spring training in while down in Albuquerque, uh, is going to be all the more challenging. And, and really that just gets back to a point that, you know, has, has been made um, numerous times over that, you know, the numbers that you see in Albuquerque uh, offensively and, you know, for pitchers there, they have to be taken with a grain of salt, you know, not just at Isotopes Park, but all around the Pacific Coast League. So, um, you know, that's, that's a shame that Melville is going to have to kind of battle back through that. And his body might feel right, but the statistics might not necessarily match up with that but I think the Rockies know what they got um with him you know especially after coming on like a a bolt of lightning late last season and um yeah the biggest disappointment is probably just just battling with some of the other guys you know um uh, Jeff Hoffman and uh there there's so many guys to name Peter Lambert Chichi yeah Gonzalez. and you know what there's, he was gonna push those guys in in spring training yeah. I I'm, I'm with you I don't think he was necessarily gonna win out that job but I think Melville's the kind of guy that you know he makes managers and general managers feel very comfortable because he pitches an incredibly smart game and so the, those other guys were gonna need to be at their best and there's still plenty of competition there but you know yeah I think he was gonna bring out the best in those guys so we'll see and I think he brings out a best uh, in, in a lot of the second tier guys. You know, we have Ashton Godot just recently added to the 40 man in November. Yeah. Jose Mejica now, uh, who was recently added. Antonio Santos, who might uh, start out in Hartford rather than Albuquerque. Um, but all those guys, even Ryan Castellani, I'm sure would have been able to glean some um, bit of knowledge from, from Millville, Millville, excuse me, Melville's experience. Because mm-hmm. um, he's no spring chicken. He's 30 yeah. years old. Right. <laughs> Um, luckily, he will still be around, and honestly, I'll, I'll bet he'll end up doing a lot of that, talking with guys and and being it, which is kind of funny to think about. Like he has very little major league experience when you when you take a look at the resume, but he's been around the game of baseball yeah. for a long time, and for somebody who basically tops out at ninety miles an hour, <laughs> he's he's managed to carve a career for a reason. It's because he knows how to pitch. If 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 Tim Melville could hit ninety eight miles an hour on the radar gun, everyone would know his name. Like that's his approach like he just doesn't have that stuff and everyone would be using his hot sauce on their buffalo wings there's no <laughs> two ways about it but you know one interesting thing about uh, melville's injury is that that does move up one notch in the depth chart mr mm-hmm. ubaldo jimenez you know what? You're right. We haven't discussed the Ubaldo Jimenez thing yet. I actually think this is awesome to the 12 people who used this as something to get angry about. This is not something I say on the podcast very often, but time to calm down just a little bit. This is a fun thing. There is zero chance the Colorado Rockies think that Ubaldo Jimenez is going to save their season or be the anchor of their rotation. I will say this, though. I read the the Thomas Harding piece because it, my my first thought was, I think, the same as everybody's. What a nice gesture. It'll be great to see him again. He'll be there for spring training, maybe spend some time in AAA. Uh, we'll see. He still doesn't have it, and, and he'll be gone. But last time he was in Major League Baseball was 2017, and in that season, he led the league in, wait for it, earned runs allowed. So... <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, but then I read the the Thomas Harding piece and realized he's been out of the game for a couple of years. Not he wasn't trying to be in the game. He, there were actually some family issues, um, you know. And I and I won't go through all of that. I won't read Thomas Harding's piece to you, but maybe as a relief pitcher, which is what he was doing for Baltimore, actually relatively successfully. You know, people of course remember the 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 decision that has basically sunk that organization since when they went to Ubaldo Jimenez instead of Zach Britton and Jimenez gave up the home run and Baltimore never got to use their best relief pitcher in their most important game. People also forget there's a reason they handed the ball to Ubaldo right there. Yeah. He didn't come through in the moment. It happens. You hang your head. Brad Lidge happens. <laughs> that should be the baseball version of ish happens. Brad Lidge happens. <laughs> And it happened to Ubaldo. Um, But he was probably the Orioles' second best reliever at the time. That's why he was out there. Maybe third. I'd have to go back and look. But he was pitching in high leverage situations for a reason. Maybe there's a little juice left in that arm. Well, there was some juice left in Matt Holiday, and we saw that in uh, down the stretch in, in 2018 and obviously didn't give, you, yeah. didn't give you a full season, um, but did give you a lot of value for um, for, for the price that they, they paid. And, you know, again, Obaldo could do that exact same thing with, with some of the youngsters down in AAA. Um, again, it's just another one of those depth pieces. Uh, I think, yeah, it might not be realistic to think he can start. Uh, we won't know until we see him down there in, in Scottsdale, but um, as, as more of a long reliever guy, kind of fitting in that role that, that Chad Bettis occupied last year. Uh, Jimenez, you know, um, could be a, a valuable part of the 2020 squad. He's only 36 years old, which is is both young and old simultaneously. But right. um, there are a lot of guys still, um, you know, incredibly successful. Wade Davis is only about a year and a half off from that. Uh, and if he rebounds this year, he's going to be in for uh, uh, another nice little contract, uh, a closer deal this off season. So, um, yeah, Jimenez takes a step up a little bit, uh, with, with Melville's injury. And that will be a, a fun story to, to keep an eye on this spring. Yeah, it will be. And, you know, just on, on a personal note, it, it, it'd be nice to shake the hand of the man who has thrown the only no hitter in Rockies history, but not the least of which is because he's got some of the biggest hands I've ever seen. And I just want to be sure that it looks like, I don't know if you, if you like, that was the thing back in the day when he in, in 2010, which was just an insane season, like his long fingers and those long arms. And he was throwing two seamers at 98, 99 miles an hour with six inches of, you know, righty to righty inside break. And it was stupid. It was easily, without question, the most dominant stretch in the history of Colorado Rockies pitching. I don't know what's in second place. It might be John Gray's like 2017 second half before obviously falling apart in the wild card. There might be some Aaron Cook moments or something, but it's, you know, the meme where it's like first place, huge gap. (laughs) That's, Mm -hmm. that's Ubaldo Jimenez's. 2010 really his whole campaign but that first half a Colorado Rocky started the all-star game for the National League and there was zero question about whether or not he was the right man for the job and if I recall correctly he got at least two strikeouts maybe even struck out I mean he was unhittable the statistic comparisons were churning out names like Bob Gibson like <laughs> it was unreal, man. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if being back in that uniform recaptures any bit of magic for this guy. Yeah, it it unfortunately, you know, while while it did, magic was kind of recaptured for a moment for a holiday. It didn't work for Jorge De La Rosa last did not season. Uh, we heard, you know, he, he was he was signed by the club and. Don't even think he made it out of Arizona, um, unfortunately for him. But you know, it's 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 nice to see you give a guy a shot, especially when you know he had to step away from the game for non-baseball reasons. So, uh, what better place to do it than in in Colorado? And to think if that if these if uh, Jimenez can you know make this roster at some point in the season, 
you could see the two greatest pitchers in the franchise together in the same dugout or same bullpen between John Gray, Ubaldo Jimenez. And spoiler alert, we got some stuff coming up with John Gray. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's approaching some, some Rockies records. I I know you've, uh, Drew been keeping a real close eye on that. And, uh, it could be interesting that those two guys could be with each other all along the way as Gray continues to take steps, uh, in the all time, uh, record books, as far as Rockies starting pitchers are concerned. Yeah, that'll be really, really cool. And then, um, Herman Marquez is, you know, seems determined to get himself into that conversation as well. He had a little bit of a down year last year, but if he can, you know, split the difference between his 2018 and 2019 campaign, suddenly he's in the conversation for top five Rockies pitchers of all time. And really it might be with all due respect. If Tracy Ringlesby was here, he'd he'd be knocking our heads together about Jeff cook or Jeff cook and Aaron Francis, uh, no, no, no. Aaron Cook and Jeff Francis. Uh, and maybe some Steve Reed, if you like relievers. But Herman Marquez is 25. John Gray is 27. These guys, you know, you you, you don't ride your, your ATV through the, <laughs> the mountains too much. <laughs> Stay on the field. I think you're right that, like, interestingly enough, we could look at and even Freeland could get into the conversation. You could be looking at, at some point, even if it's just in spring training, having the four, certainly the three, whatever you feel on Freeland. But I think pretty easily you'd argue, oh, I left De La Rosa out of the conversation. That's bad of me. But these are the three best starting pitchers in franchise history. Yeah, the present, the present, yeah. the past, and the future. Right? right, All three of those guys. Uh, to take you back to that 2010 All-Star game, like w- when you think about uh, records that'll never be broken, and you're like, all right, no one's going to get 56 straight hits like Joe DiMaggio, obviously. All, you know, No one's going to break Hal Ripken's record. Will there ever be another Colorado Rockies pitcher starting the All-Star game? Oof. <laughs> no. Those are, those are some <laughs> odds right there, right? Right. Um, he had to, so I David think he Price, went up with like a 0.82 ERA or something like that. Uh, insane. So he started that game against David Price, and uh, first batter, he got Ichiro to pop up to the short. Jeter walked. Miguel Cabrera singled. Uh, Jeter moved to third. And then Josh Hamilton, he got uh, he induced into a double play to get out of the okay. first inning unscathed. Okay. Second right. inning, uh, second inning, he struck out Hall of Famer Vladimir Guerrero. It's pretty good. Beautiful. Uh, gave up a double to Evan Longoria. Also in the NL West, got Joe Maurer to fly out, potential future Hall of Famer, uh, followed Should by be. another future Hall of Famer, Robinson Cano, got him to ground out 4-3. So uh, rather flawless uh, pitching line again from uh, Jimenez in that 2010 uh, All-Star game, his his lone appearance. Yeah, that's that's got to be one of the better All-Star game appearances in Rockies history, too. I think Brad Hopp had a good one. He hit a home run that should have been the game winner for the National League, but I believe that was the year that Dan Ugla committed like 12 errors or whatever. I might be mixing them up. Now, Now I'm not sure my all-star game memory is as good as it should be. <laughs> he had a few he had a few games where he had a couple errors, so <laughs> very easy to <laughs> have made that mistake. No worries. Dan Ugla, of all the things to be remembered for. Guy was a good ball player. <laughs> yeah, he was a rule. Five, he was a rule five pick. He's and you know that's one of the reasons why that's still around because once in a while you get those diamonds in the rough. A guy who um, he's got a bat, but you don't have a spot for him on the field. And finally, someone says, "Let's give this guy a shot. He can play." And sure enough, he had uh, he had some really good seasons with the Marlins there. Well, I'm glad you brought that phrase up because I wanted to end asking you for we're, we're going to have plenty of time to run through the list and go position by position and do all kinds of breakdowns for you. And you better believe it's going to get ridiculously in depth on the breakdowns we're going to do. I want to just open it here with some diamonds in the rough from you because, the, you know, early spring training, we're still a couple of weeks or, or a week here away, week and a half from starting to play some games. And in those games, there's going to be a lot of names that maybe the casual Rockies fan doesn't know. You mentioned Ashton Godot earlier, you know, beyond the top prospects. Who are some diamond in the rough guys that we're going to see 
these first couple of weeks at spring training before the rosters thin out that, you know, maybe they're not even going to play for, they almost certainly won't play for the Rockies big league club this year, but are some interesting depth options. There's a few, there's a few, no doubt. Um, the biggest one that fans are, are going to be clamoring to see is, is Ryan Valade. Uh, he was their first round pick in um, 2016 and um, you know, he's, he's, he's played well at, at every level and he's young, you know, he's going to turn uh, 21 next week. Uh, he's going to be up in double a and uh, he's a guy, he's been all around the diamond a little bit, came up uh, drafted as a shortstop. They moved him to third base. Uh, he's now getting some time in the outfield. So uh, he has uh, a lot of ability to hit tools there for him. And he's a guy that uh, the Rockies are really hoping um, are going to, you know, he's going to contribute the next couple of years. So he's a guy who won't get a lot of playing time, similar to like what we saw last year from, from Colton Welker and Brett Boswell uh, in their first uh, springs. They're also back. Um, and the guy that I, I like the most, the guy I like most because he's so underrated. And I like those guys, you know, we all like kind of the underdog, the guy that's often forgotten about. And you won't see this gentleman's name on any top 30 list unless you're looking at mine. Uh, that's Alan Trejo. He's uh, wow. he's a shortstop that's just progressed uh, each and every season. Uh, you know, I talked with Zach Wilson about him specifically, and he mentioned his maturity and his ability level. And you know, he skipped low A, so he had his he had played short season ball when he was drafted, and then immediately went up to high A and did well with the bat. He had um, you know, some, some hot streaks where he, you really saw the, the bat come into play other times where it went quiet. He's more of a glove first guy. He can pick it. We might even see him, uh, towards the end of the season again, maybe more for defensive purposes. Um, but you know, he can, uh, he can do, do a lot of wonderful things on the defensive side of the ball. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm he can really to pick it. I no mean, doubt. He can, he can pick it, man. It'll be interesting to see what he does in uh, in a hitter's environment in the PCL. Um, he's 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 not Trevor Story. He's not what uh, Story was kind of coming up unheralded because people still had an eye on him and, and Story's pedigree was was much better. But you know Trejo Trejo's going to surprise uh, a lot of people, I think. And and he's the one he's the one player that I'm probably the most excited about seeing this spring. I like that pick. Uh, I'll go with a, a more obvious one for Prospect Hounds, a name we've bandied about a lot, but a guy I think could either, you know, spend most of the year in AAA, still trying to get himself to the best of his capabilities and figure out who he is, or a guy who could end up becoming a key piece for this Rockies team and more or less taking over the lefty reliever role, and that's Ben Bowden, 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 Bowden. Bowden? Bowden, <laughs> yes. I'll get Bowden. it eventually. I'll, it's like every time it comes up, my brain flips a coin and it lands on its end. Like, I just can't. <laughs> he, he played ball in the South at Vanderbilt, so you're thinking, all right, it's Bobby Bowden. All right. Bobby Bowden. Bobby Bowden. Yeah. No, see, you, you got Bobby me doing Bowden. it. It's infectious. Bobby Boucher. No, that's. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good lefty. He's a, he's a, yeah. he's a stout young man. And, um, and he's definitely going to get some, some opportunities. I, I was kind of surprised he didn't get a chance um, late last year. Um, but uh, once he reports, yeah, he's going to be exciting to see in camp. And, and not to mention Ryan Rollison. You know he's the he's the top guy on the on the pitching side. Good pick. Um, yeah, he was their first pick back in um, 2018. So it's, it hasn't been that long. He tore up, absolutely tore up the South Atlantic League. He only made it three starts before uh, they decided they needed to to promote him to Lancaster, and then still um, was phenomenal uh, yeah. in late April and early May. Came back down to earth a little bit, but was still an all star. Um, we're going to see him in, in Hartford, and he could rise really quickly he could kind of be like uh where rico garcia you know he's in double a um dominating and then all of a sudden he's making a couple spot starts for the rockies i actually thought there was a a a small chance that if colorado was in contention late in 2019 we could have seen rollison come up and be uh you know lefty one out guy a specialist out of the bullpen because his stuff um plays so well um, right. Obviously, that didn't happen with the Rockies' record, so he got to continue on his natural projection as a starter. So he's another one of those guys 
um, that you have to keep uh, keep an eye on the pitching side. That's a really good pick. And like I said, for, you know, throughout the week and, and leading up to it, we're going to be going position by position. We're going to have plenty of time to talk about pretty much all. What, what do they invite? I think it was a record on 120 guys. So, so we'll probably not talk about all 120 guys in camp. Uh, but we'll probably go pretty heavily on, you know, at least the 40 man roster and then several of the prospects thereafter. There's a a lot going on here. We know that, um, frankly, a lot of Rockies fans are not super enthusiastic about the season, but baseball is back. Uh, there are a lot of intriguing players on this team. Uh, a lot of the people you love, whether or not they're, happy or not they're still around and and soon we'll have uh conversations with them as well so make sure that you're following everybody on social media i'm at drew creaseman of course at patrick d lions at dnvr underscore rockies give a like share and subscribe on facebook and whatever podcast app you're using out there make sure that you have subscribed to the dnvr.com uh, had a piece come out today that, of course, needed to remind everybody that Nolan Arenado is hashtag clutch, having this best third baseman in baseball conversation. People seem to forget, so it's good to remind them every once in a while. Update the numbers. Check Bregman, Rendon. Yep, Arenado's still the king of clutch. Just double-checking. Uh, <laughs> so if you're not subscribed, you're going to miss out on all that stuff and a lot of really fun, totally new, like actually this year, we're going to be covering the Rockies in a, I'm going to say a very different way than we have covered them in the past. You're still going to get the features that you're used to the quote pieces that Patrick and I write, but there's going to be a lot of other stuff. That's just totally new. You don't want to miss it. So make sure that you subscribe now. Thank you so much for listening in. You've been absolutely awesome. We have been Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. And until next time, We will see you at the ballpark. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.